Are you sick and tired of working small deals and being paid tiny little commission checks? I know I was. I have good news for you. It's come to my attention. I closed my first six-figure software sales deal with a 25,000 employee multinational corporation that every single one of you watching right now would recognize the brand name for. I'm not going to reveal the company in today's video because I was fired from my sales job before the contract actually got signed. I had been working on that deal daily for the previous six months of employment. I put in over 100 hours working on the deal and I will not be getting paid out on the $20,000 commission check I was expecting. So in today's video, I'm gonna unpack the win story step by step so that you have an insider's look into how enterprise sales actually works. And maybe one of you watching right now will actually wanna hire me after gaining this information because I'm currently a sales professional with nothing to sell. The deal ended up being three years, roughly $500,000 TCV, total contract value. I'm gonna talk about this deal through the perspective of three phases. Phase one was the initial RFP process. RFP stands for Request for Proposal. Large organizations oftentimes will send out multiple RFPs to multiple different vendors in order to get multiple different bids so that they can have a more competitive pricing and they will understand the structure of who offers what and how does it actually work. Phase number two is the customer facing interactions, giving the presentations on multiple occasions. I had over 20 people on these meetings that I led, some internal folks, and many folks from the customer team ranging in a variety of different seniority levels. In phase three was the negotiation and close plan process. I'm gonna share with you the actual mutual activity plan, we call them MAP, that I had used. And the reason why it's so important is because it helps drive urgency in the deal. Because whenever you get selected as the vendor of choice, that's when the work really begins. Phase number one, the RFP process. A bit of background on this account, it was one of my top accounts, so I had been prospecting into it for years, and I thought I identified one of the decision makers, economic buyers, whatever you wanna call them, basically a high-level VP at the company that I thought could benefit from our solution. I called him about nine months previously, and he hung up on me in devastating fashion. He said, I don't take cold calls, never cold call me again, we are not interested. So of course I followed up a few months later, and I remembered his name, so I was a little bit hesitant to call because I knew that he would remember it because it was such a brutal interaction. And he did the exact same thing again and basically said, we will never be interested. Coincidentally, about two weeks after that call, I got an email out of the blue from this customer account from a member of their purchasing RFP department saying, we'd like to select your company as a vendor to compete in our RFP process. This got me excited, but at the same point, my expectations were dampered because I've competed in dozens of RFPs and oftentimes it's a lot of work because you gotta prepare this big response, do presentations, and you may not even get selected. And oftentimes these organizations will just add you to the RFP process because as part of their vendor management process, they need at least three or five vendors. So they've already selected a vendor, but they just need to have you submit a bid so that they satisfy their process requirements. So I get this RFP, it's extensive. It's not actual questions they're asking for. It's more so general statements. This is what we're looking for in a partner. And they say, submit your questions by XYZ date. So I review it thoroughly and I ask about 20 questions and then 
the vendor shares back answers to my questions along with all of the other vendor questions in this one master sheet. My first realization from that point is I asked more questions than any other vendor, which to me set the tone from the start because it was incredibly proactive of me to say, hey, let me think about all the information I would need in order to go directly to a solution presentation. The second realization is that the other vendors competing in the process were quite literally our six most fearsome competitors. The top vendors that we would go head to head against, they were also evaluating. So I saw that and that changed my strategy because I thought, you know what? We have nothing to lose here. I got shut down by one of the VPs a few months before. I didn't think we'd ever get in the account. We're going up against all the top competitors. I felt like we were the sixth and final vendor to be considered. So I thought it was almost a Hail Mary shot. So my strategy was we need to be the most competitive on pricing. We, we can't anchor high and try and negotiate. We got to start at our near our bottom from the start. I wouldn't normally advise that, but in competitive situations like that, sometimes that's what you got to do. And then strategy number two was I used my internal resource ecosystem at my company and worked with someone to prepare just the most beautiful RFP response we could. We got all these nice graphics, we found all these customer stories, we thought of what's questions that they didn't even ask about that they might wanna know about, how can we include that in our response so that it is the most comprehensive response that's still custom to them. We didn't just say, let's see what sticks, the entire time we thought about their unique industry and the use case that they would benefit from our solution. And then we, we devised this narrative of here are the three pillars of success. So all of our messaging was based around this custom unique frame of this message that took us into phase number two, which is the actual customer facing presentations and interactions. I was fortunate to be working with a solution strategist for my team who helped engineer the deal strategy and just, hey, they're an expert on all things, our market, our solution, and a solution engineer as well. So someone that can run a custom demo from our team, and then also folks from our partner ecosystem, folks that would actually implement the solution. So I got our entire internal team in a room and I said, team, this is our three pillars of success. This is our strategy. We need every customer facing interaction to the customer leaving the call saying they were really prepared and it just feels right with them. They made it special and it was, it was personal, it was custom. When we would tell stories, we framed it in the perspective of their unique industry and their unique use case. Not just broadly speaking, this is what we think, but this is what we know based on working with XYZ competitors of yours in your space. This is how they benefited. This was the outcome. This is our experience working with them. This is our experience gonna be working with you. So when we showed up to those customer presentations, we wanted to be as buttoned up as possible. And one of the challenges we had to overcome is this individual in the purchasing RFP department, he explicitly told me multiple times, he said, only work with me. Do not talk to anyone else on our team because as part of these presentations, they've got 12, 15 people showing up from their end, ranging from managers, directors, VPs, C-levels from all across the country. So the whole time I was asking myself, how would each of them uniquely benefit from our solution? And anytime they would ask a question during one of the many presentations we did, I would write it down so that it gave me an excuse to then follow up with them individually after the call so that I can then create this unique interaction of, hey, you asked about this, here's a resource, 
course. Hope it was useful. Let me know if you need anything else. That was our strategy to make sure everything was custom, make sure it was special. And during all of the calls, I reached out to my contact and kept saying, hey, I, I know you need some time. I know you need to do these evaluations. Let's set up a meeting just to talk. And I would just call him out of the blue and, and not really ask for anything, but just try and really stay top of mind with him. That takes us into phase number three. We are eventually selected as the vendor of choice, but he framed it as you're in the final two and he kind of tried to negotiate us on price. So I showed up to that pricing call and I basically said, look, this is what you asked for. This is what we can do. This is how we're gonna lock in fixed future enterprise pricing because you're this large organization. And we really wanted that to feel special. So we ended up receiving this formal letter. You are our vendor of choice. We'd like to go forward with you. Let's begin. Anytime you've been given a vendor of choice, that is a celebration, but it does is by no means means the deal is done. I've been burned many times on deals where I've been given vendor of choice, meaning they want to go with us, but the contract does not end up getting signed. So I'm now conditioned to say, hey, that, that's a positive sign, good momentum, let's now do all we can to finish. So at that point in time, I called my contact, I said, thank you so much for everything you've done for us through this process. Here is exactly what's gonna happen next based on my experience working with other companies. We're gonna send you the contract. Your legal team's gonna review the contract. After we align on red lines, you're gonna sign the contract, okay? How does that sound? What else am I missing? And then as part of that, usually there's, okay, some sort of IT involvement, any additional legal security involvement, or just any other ancillary teams or processes that you may not be aware of. And then you always wanna ask the customer, who is signing the contract? And this was a problem we had that kind of bit us towards the end of it. Who is signing the contract? Because if you don't know who is signing the contract and if there actually is that final approval, then the deal may not get done. So what I put together was this mutual activity plan. So every time I met with my contact, I said, we're doing a weekly meeting from this point on. We're gonna meet Monday morning every week going forward. So I met with him weekly on Monday and the purpose of the meeting was, okay, here's what we've agreed needs to get done. What is the status of the action items on your end? And this ended up being an incredibly robust, complicated process in which I was working with dozens of team members from adjacent teams because it was such a complex organization. And I ended up getting let go from my company before the contract ended up getting signed. I have verified the contract got signed, which was incredibly satisfying to me because I basically did all of the work and I think it was a testament to the work that was put in because a new rep was brought into the deal and the deal still got done at the finish line before the end of Q1. A few takeaways from this that you can apply to your sales job. Number one, never take a customer's word at face value. If you've built great rapport and a great relationship, that is positive, but just because you're friends with them that it would appear, never just assume they will get things done internally. They have so much going on and you as the sales rep, all you're thinking about what needs to get done in this deal in order for the signature to get done, and you're thinking about it, but they're thinking about all these other things. So anytime they say something's gonna get done, give them, give them the space, hey, I trust you, will get it done, but make sure they are very aware, this is what I expect of you, this is what you told me, why did it get done? Why did it not get done? And in order to truly hold them accountable, you need to be front facing with them. You need to be top of mind. You need to keep their attention. So you need weekly recurring meetings with these customers that you plan to do deals with. If you do not have a scheduled next event after a particular meeting and too much time goes by, time kills all deals. And this was a lesson I had learned over the previous year working deals. You always wanna have that scheduled next event and you always wanna be very clear to the customer, this is what I expect of you. 
in order to gain compliance so that they do what you say. And don't think of it as being too hostile or selfish or, 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 or just too direct. You wanna be direct, you don't wanna beat around the bush. When it comes to pricing, ask them about pricing. Ask them who signed the contract. Ask them, is there any reason why it would not get signed by the state? Because it would be selfish otherwise for you not to press them on it because you are trying to provide them the solution that they desperately wanna go forward with in the first place. If you enjoyed today's video, subscribe to the channel now and hit the little notification bell. I have a feeling this video is gonna get us over the 30,000 subscriber milestone mark. I really appreciate you guys supporting me along this journey and I'll talk to you in the next video.